Welcome to Expanding Your Faith with Bishop Gregory Godsey and Father Matthew Schnabel. Expanding Your Faith looks at modern faith and spirituality questions, as well as conducts interviews with movers and shakers in different and varied faith traditions. Our broadcast is brought to you by the hardworking staff at the Office of Communications and Media Relations in the Old Catholic Churches International. Stay tuned as we work on expanding your faith. Welcome to this episode of Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greg, and joining me today is Katie. Hello, Katie. Hello, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, and this is our part two on Norse paganism, maybe a little bit of anthropology of religion, and God knows what else. So (laughs) we'll start there and kind of go wherever the winds take us tonight. Um, So glad that you could join us tonight, Katie. Thank you. Uh, please uh, excuse any of the fireworks in the background as we are uh, uh, recording this uh, here uh, outdoors, and uh, it is, of course, the 4th of July weekend, so uh, happy Independence Day to everyone, and please remember, uh, try to be respectful of veterans and pets who are uh, um, harmed by loud noises and lots of fireworks so please keep that in mind as you celebrate this weekend so katie let's uh, get started with norse paganism maybe some of the stuff that we uh kind of left off on last uh time if you can remember some points that you wanted to make that uh, we didn't get to last time about norse paganism well i think one of the things that we um left off on was the last kind of uh, question was um, end of the world yes. type stuff. Which I said, ah, Ragnarok. So Ragnarok is kind of the end, end time story. And basically what happens at Ragnarok is um, all the, the Fenrir, which is the, the wolf, Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, escapes from his current chains, mm-hmm. and there is a great battle between the gods and those in, in Valhalla, and on the opposing side are the giants. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, we're not talking necessarily about physical giants. The giants are a different race. They are. Um, they came before the gods, and they, um, some of them are giants, like we think about, um, as in a physical stature, but, but, um, some are, like, normal-sized. It's, um, they just come from one of the different realms. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of the uh, final battle between all everyone. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> now, the mythology kind of goes through exactly how the battle um, is lost. Okay. Okay. And it's the end of times. Now, it never states specifically that it's not. Um, also a beginning. Okay, because there's a whole thing about um, in everything else about the wheel of time and specific the the snake that is in the base of the world tree is actually uh, actually chases its own tail till it eats its own tail. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's always a, a turning of the wheel. There's always the seasons. There's always life and death cycle, etc. So Ragnarok, but when they speak of Ragnarok, there's never a specific thing that says it does. It isn't. It, it isn't the complete end in the beginning. So unlike other um, parts of the mythos, no one's really. They don't know whether it's the full end or whether it's just the beginning of the next cycle. 
Okay. Um, and part of that is is that a lot of our mythos was written down um, when it was finally written down was writ written down by Christian monks. Yes. So. <laughs> So some of that was kind of their perspective on it. So it's it's kind of biased by the Christian perspective in that the Christian perspective is the end of days is the end of days. <laughs> okay, so we have to kind of take that perspective, when we try and take that perspective out of it, when you would put that back into our own, then... It would seem to be the beginning, the end of one and beginning of a new cycle, but we can't be sure about that because it wasn't written down before, excuse me, before. I see. But it falls in line with previous mythos that... But it falls in line kind of with the rest of the, rest of the mythology that way. Yeah, yeah. But it's still not something we can be sure of. So... Uh, that's one of the pieces that just kind of we have to finish uh, kind of digging up the old um, so this is one of the ways that we work we work with archaeologists and the rest of academia to kind of piece things together mm. and that's a good uh, point so what kind of archaeological uh, investigations are being done in the areas where Norse paganism was heavily um, practiced. Okay, so there are actually quite a few. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually sites in Scandinavia itself. Mm -hmm. There have actually been sites found in like what is now the UK. Um, there are sites all across um, that northern Europe Se mm -hmm. sector uh, what would have been considered the Germanic lands mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we know is and and what was found was there's actually a couple of very important strategic villages across the Mediterranean that were actually Viking in the, of the Viking era and one of the things that they found in there was actually quite interesting was that um of the textile work was they found a very interesting cross cultural pieces that were that had both uh, Muslim and, uh, and uh, Norse what's considered Norse or, or Viking um, uh, patterning together on the same textile meaning cloth for clothing. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so, it, in that particular clothing, that particular outfit, outfit for that particular person, that person would have believed in both. Very interesting. So, in speaking about um, Ragnarok and stuff, um, I want to kind of touch on some of the. Uh, we talked. We kind of ran over some of the um, information about the gods uh, last time. Um, mm -hmm. You spoke about Odin and Freya quite a bit, um, but there are so many other gods in the pantheon of of gods. Correct. There's actually two... Okay, so the, in the pantheon of, of gods for the... There's actually two separate pantheons. Mm -hmm. um, there's the Aesir and the Vanir. Um, the Aesir comes second and the Vanir are first. Mm -hmm. um, the um, Aesir are what are commonly known. Odin, Thor... Etc. Mm -hmm. um, then you have the Vanir. They were there first. Freya is actually a Vanir. Okay. 
um, there was intermarriage between the two for, um, because initially, of course, there would have been fighting, but then they intermarry strategically um, to create peace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a very... So, and then... Okay, so you have Freya, and actually Odin's wife is Frigg. Okay. But, um, and Freya and, and Freyr are the, the pair that's married. Uh, uh. So, but yes. So, but they're, but they intermarry strategically. And like, Baldur is, is one of the gods, and he was actually... Um, the most <laughs> beloved god of them all. He was the god of like he was like the beloved. Really? Yes. He there he when he was born, his mother went throughout the earth and got everything on creation, including all the plants to promise that they would never harm him that they would that there was that he so that he could never die wow okay he was just beloved and so they would do things like at the parties they would throw things at him and watch them bounce off and and yada well there was a uh, a blind god and um loki um talked him into tossing mistletoe at Baldur. And mistletoe was the only um, thing in the entire world that Baldur's mother had not gotten to make the promise. Hmm. And so the god threw the mistletoe at Baldur and it killed him and everyone mourned and Loki was banished that was one of the times Loki was banished wow but and that was one of the times that Thor went on uh, on an adventure was to find a way to bring Loki uh, to bring Baldur back from the dead. Interesting. Because the entire pantheon of gods was in mourning. Wow. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, in the, uh, you know, like, I guess we can't really say that God and Christianity doesn't die because in reality Jesus did. Jesus is part of the triune God. <coughs> but like, you know, God the Father doesn't die. Um, so, but within Norse paganism, are all the gods susceptible to death? Eventually, yes. Mm-hmm. They all die in Ragnarok. Really? Mm-hmm. And of course, we don't know what that recreation might be after Ragnarok, but would you, would the mythology support them coming back, or there'd just be a world without gods? The, given the cyclic nature of everything else, it doesn't not support it. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. that's where we kind of get into that gray area I was talking about earlier, where the the mythology was written down by the Christian monks. I see. So, the, given the knowledge about the rest of the mythology, you would think that it would, because the rest of the mythology is cyclic. Uh, but so everything leads up to Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what comes after. I understand. But 
with everything else being cyclic, you would think that that would be the beginning of the next cycle as well. Mm-hmm. But what that entails, we don't know. Interesting. And so you talked about Ragnarok having, uh, you know, death to the gods, essentially. But what happens to the rest of the world in Ragnarok? It, what is it just destroyed? It's destroyed. So we'd be talking a whole new creation at that point. Mm-hmm. So no one survives Ragnarok. No. Wow. So a real apocalyptic end of everything. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, kind of our uh, Christian equivalent to um, uh, Armageddon that many Christians fear. <laughs> but it's... But at the same time, it's not to be feared. Yeah. Ragnarok is, is to be looked forward to. It's to be... It's kind of this this final battle. It's this... Um, this joy to be... To make it to there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, depending on what Christians you talk to, they might also have the same opinion of Armageddon, too. <laughs> um, because between here and there, I mean, you, you have this life, and then you have your your life in the in the halls of Helheim, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which you will stay there until Ragnarok happens, mm-hmm. and then Ragnarok happens, and who knows what is entailed after that? True. You know, then we're on a true adventure. Wow. That is interesting. That's very interesting. So, um, we talked a little last time, too, about Valhalla and and the various um, areas of um, the afterlife. Correct. And you mentioned Helheim. Okay, so Helheim is the... Okay. So, just like Earth, mm-hmm. um, it, Earth is Midgard. Mm-hmm. Okay, Helheim is on like a, a different branch of the world tree. It's a different world. Okay. Okay, and the different halls, um, like Valhalla is in Helheim, mm-hmm. um, etc. So the different halls are in Helheim. Um, and is ruled over by the goddess Hel, H-E-L, mm-hmm. one L. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always have to specify that. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Um, so, and Helheim is spelled with one L as well. Um, it's H-E-L-H-E-I-N. Okay. Um, so, but... That's where all the halls of the dead are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask a little strange question. Um, okay. Because it's something that came to my mind the last time, and, and I thought, well, I won't ask that, but I, I'm going to go ahead and ask it now. So I'm a big Stargate fan. Okay. <laughs> um, I like Richard Dean Anderson. What can I say? So anyway... Um, uh, the Stargate mythology, um, they equate a lot of the Norse gods and the Norse uh, pagan symbols and stuff into Stargate. I don't know if you've seen Stargate or not. Yeah, no, that, that was Egyptian. Well, they actually, it, it's interesting. It starts out Egyptian. Right. And then it moves to Norse paganism. <laughs> okay, I missed that part. Uh, the Asgard. Um, actually join the uh, whole mythology, which is a race of of aliens uh, way out okay. yonder ways. I didn't uh, realize that they had used Norse for that. Okay. Yeah, and the Asgard all took on Norse pagan god images when they okay. came to Earth. And so you had an Asgard named Thor, and you had an Asgard named Loki, and you have an Asgard, you know. And so... Um, 
they kind of took on this Norse paganism vibe. And, of course, their whole thing was that they had come to Earth Uh millennia ago and had started the whole Norse thing by their coming. And they actually took on human form that looked like, you know, Norse people and okay. established themselves as gods, essentially. Um, so where was I going with that? I was going to... <laughs> I was going with that to say, what are your thoughts about how Norse paganism is in, is integrated into these types of shows and things that maybe give the idea that something beyond us may have brought, you know, these type of religious ideas here. Because, you know, they also do it with the Egyptians, you know, that the Gould mm-hmm. come and start the, rel- the religion of the Egyptians uh, by presenting themselves as Egyptian gods. So, um, it's kind of off of genre mm-hmm. on, on some level. Um, I am of the volition that um, we are, if we thought we were the only sentient beings in the universe, mm-hmm. we would be highly narcissistic and we would be <laughs> highly problematic. And we're not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, so, trust me, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they've actually visited us, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if they visited us this far, I would think they would say that we're too doggone primitive and warlike Agreed. to mess with. Agreed. Okay? Um, because if they've got enough technology to be doing that and, and traveling that type of light years mm-hmm. then by and large they would have they're either quite peaceful and not prone to doing what we're speaking of or B they would have just wiped us out mm, true true so or D, or D, we'd still be under their thumb. Yeah. So, now, like, if we, given the Stargate genre that mm-hmm. we brought up, uh, if we were more like Abydos, mm-hmm that particular world where they were where the gold still visited mm-hmm. and still um, controlled them took uh, people and still mm-hmm. and that type of thing and still ruled over them mm-hmm. then yeah I would buy that mm-hmm. but not necessarily with I think that they had left. Very interesting. Father Matt, do you have any questions? Not specifically about Norse, but a lot of my pagan friends follow a dual pantheon. So, like, for instance, one will be Norse, like, they'll have one god that they adhere to that's Norse and another that's Greek or Egyptian or whatever. So what is, what would happen for their afterlife event? For the- okay, so they would actually be considered eclectic. And um, honestly, that would be dependent upon their actual belief structure. Okay. Um, because they're not... Brandon, I need you to go to your room. Um, because they are not specifically one thing or another Mm -hmm. 
then um, they have, they're on an eclectic path, which means they have brought in things from different places. So how they have it combined determines that. Um, so that's part of the, the, the pagan thing is um, to each their own path. Um, but also, if you're following an eclectic path, then your your pathway is really your own. Gotcha. So, what um, what stories within the Norse pagan pantheon of stories do you find most engaging or funny? So, okay, so funny is okay loki is hysterical okay but he's also um really annoying <laughs> okay so a lot of the times the gods come down to midgard mm -hmm. to interact with people but when they do they come in the form of a bear mm -hmm. okay. so interaction is really kind of difficult when they're trying to actually interact with people because people are not really um, wanting to interact with a bear. I get that. <laughs> so there's that, that piece. Uh, in one of Loki's stories, he actually ends up transforming into a horse, a female horse, mm -hmm. and bearing children. Wow. That's some nifty shape shifting. You think? Yeah. Okay, so those that say that Norse paganism should not be accepting of trans and LGBT obviously <laughs> have not read the sagas. Very true. Okay, because some of those sagas are really kind of interesting. You know, God, Odin himself goes uh, back and forth between male and female on this, in, in some of the, the myths. Mm. So, and so do some of the other gods. So, it's not unheard of at all. Okay. And so what stories do you find as most instructive or tragic? So one of the ones that I find instructive is um, when Odin goes down and is hung on the tree and loses his eye for over the the um, lake of wisdom mm -hmm. okay this is why one of the reasons why he's known as the wise one okay so he, he he does all of this and he hangs there for seven days mm -hmm. to gain wisdom this is why he loses his eye I see. Okay. He does all of this so he can be the wise God for man. Okay. Okay. And it's, um, it's much more complicated and it's much longer than that, but that's the gist of it. Okay. And it's a very interesting and but the, the crux of it is, is that he's doing this for the greater good. Hmm. And it's very instructive and it's about loyalty and it's about honor and it's about wisdom. Very cool. Um, which are three of the most, you know, because we have the, the nine, number, nine noble virtues, which in all honesty, we're not part of the original context. Nope. Oh. 
All right. Okay, so it doesn't come out of uh, anywhere up to the Middle Ages. It actually comes out of the revivalists in the 1800s. Okay. And they were trying to coalesce the thought processes of the before times. Mm-hmm. And do something that people could grab onto. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is when the Nine Noble Virtues were created. Yes. Now, there are still great virtues, and we still adhere to them today. So, which are honor, fidelity, frith, um, perseverance, etc. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, frith being it's hospitality, but it's a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's also how you treat one another within the homestead. There's a, um, there must be a peace cap. Okay. And not just, um, like, you don't instigate anything. Um, okay. Is the, is the purpose of it. And that, that's on everyone who's there. I get that. And the, the hospitality piece is you don't necessarily accept everyone to your hearth, but uh-huh. once you do, you are then bound to keep them safe. I understand. And take care of their needs and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're bound to take care of their needs. You are bound to keep them physically safe, etc. Very cool. So, until such time as they leave your heart. And so now, what so, story do you find tragic in the Pantheon of stories? So, honestly, the initial part of, um, Part of the Balder story where he is still deceased while Thor is away trying to figure out a, um, uh, a way to bring him back. His mother wanders the earth mm-hmm. spreading her tears and that's how we get in certain flowers. I see. Because each of those flowers is, a dro- is one of her tears. Oh wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, how do you think that Norse paganism has inspired other civilizations, other religions, other people? Because it seems to be a very old religion, uh, dating back well before it's quite many of the others. It's actually quite old. Um, it is, um, it's a very egalitarian one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets, it is one of the last to fall to Christianity. Um, it is, but it keeps, it's very strange because a lot of the folklore stays. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, it's because a lot of Scandinavia is kind of icy above the above um, kind of the edges there along the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Then once you get kind of out of the really highly occupied areas a lot of the folklore stays I see so it kind of still gets passed down in those areas Uh, so they actually have their first major temple back up in Norway I want to say Norway anyway 
but and the thing about it was is they the on the peninsula they actually shared the land with the Sami mm. which are still indigenous there as well interesting and the Sami were in the northern part of the peninsula um, so which have a completely different religion mm. and culture So, um, and it has to do with the Scandinavian cave. Go ahead. The the Scandinavians came in from kind of the the on the borders and in the south southern regions, and the Sami came over on the north side, like from the from the Russia side. Okay. When they populated the land. So. How do you think that the Norse paganism influenced those religions uh, that cropped up afterwards? Like, um, because I think Norse paganism predates even like Greek mythology. Um, do you think that it influenced other religions in the area? It did because um, we have to remember that the. Norse paganism doesn't just mean Scandinavia, it's all of the Germanic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tribes. So, because the exact um, uh, belief structure is tribe by tribe, but the, but the overall mythology is the same. So, exactly how it was practiced is a little bit different, and exactly which of the pantheon of gods was more important is tribe by tribe but um the overarching mythos mm -hmm. goes all the way from scandinavia all the way through what was the germanic lands mm -hmm. so we're talking gaul yes and and all the roman roman barbarians that um uh would have sacked Rome, etc. So we're talking a significant um, influence across most of northern and northeastern Europe. Very interesting. So, as yeah, very interesting. Um, so, so. All of those tribes were cousins. They were, they all had that same structure. Um, so that's why it's kind of a difference in the peoples between like France and England and the Germanic lands. Because um, it really is different. Those the the Scandinavian and the Germanics tribes are the same, and the French and the English are more similar. Interesting. So, um, as there's crossover between them, now, the, uh, as they go raiding, they influence particularly Scotland. Mm -hmm. They influence particularly along the Mediterranean. The mic's off. Um, because that's where they have outposts where they have trade routes. Okay. Uh, and they have, they actually made it to what is America um, 300 years before Columbus. Yes. Uh, the, and, but they were up in the New England area. And the explorer that did that was Leif Erikson. Mm -hmm. A little bit of history that doesn't get taught very often, sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, um, that's very interesting. Father Matt, do you have any questions? Okay. 
Uh, do, do anyone, does anyone in our chat have any questions? Uh, feel free to ask them, and we'll uh, pick them up as we go along. Um, about uh, Norse paganism or pretty much any topic. I mean, we're not uh, going to limit it a whole lot tonight. Um, so, uh, if you have a question about any topic uh, that you think might be interesting, feel free to type it there and we'll uh, pick it up and run with it. Um, and see what we can do. Um, Katie could probably write a book about Norse paganism. Um, and uh, it'd probably be a bestseller. <laughs> Um, I don't know about that, but so I'm assuming that a lot of, I mean, we now have a lot more written information about uh, Norse paganism than we've had in the past. But uh, many of these stories continue just to be transmitted from person to person. Correct. Correct. Um, I've, we have. The Volspa, we have the Havamal, we have the Eddas, and we have the Sagas. Mm -hmm. Those are our basic core um, that started us at the beginning. That's what came out um, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And then we have, you know, over time written more down. Um, but those, if you want to truly study those are where you start mm. um, cool. and if you're going to study those you have to start with the snoring because that was the initial monk that wrote them down now if you don't speak old Icelandic you have to find a good translation <laughs> So I don't imagine very many people speak okay. Old Icelandic anymore. Correct. Because okay, but if you are speaking to someone and they don't know who Snorri is, they don't know what they're talking about. I understand that. It's a good way to, to figure that out. Very interesting. And of course a lot of, um, of uh, Christianity over the years in those areas has picked up some of the, um, or has been influenced by some of the past pagan traditions. Um, and we kind of stole, um, some would say borrowed, we stole some of the pagan information incorporated it into our Christianity. What are some of the examples that you know of where okay. that's the case? Okay, so like um, a couple of the big ones that come straight out of Norse tradition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the, the Norse Germanic tradition. The Christmas tree itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the Yule Log. Those are both huge parts of our Yule traditions. Interesting. Um, the What was tied upon the tree or little gifts for certain things, mm. certain beings, um, and presents we didn't have presents under the tree they were the, the, the what was tied on was blessings and and whatnot and presents for the fae mm -hmm. the yule log is burned all night long and the what is left of the log at the in the morning is kept for the next year and starts the fire for the Yule Log the following year. Interesting. Okay. But, um, because it's, there's, 
couple of things have happened at Yule, but it's the birth of the sun, mm-hmm. as in the physical sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you're celebrating. That's what you're you're turning over right there. Okay is that birth of that physical sun. You're turning it over that physical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's a there's a discrepancy depending on exactly which tribe you're talking about, whether Salon or Yule is considered the new year. I see. Um so sometimes Yule is depending on the tribe and sometimes Samhain is which Samhain being the October 31st and is um, that because of geography? no and we say October 31st yes okay and it, it, both geography and exactly which gods and exactly how they do the, their celebration. Gotcha. I see. Um, but um, Samhain is the counterpart to Beltane. Mm-hmm. And just like most of the ancient world, the Norse consider a day to be start at sundown and go to sundown. So that would have actually been the night of the 31st would have actually been the 1st of November starting at that time. I see. If that makes sense. It does make sense. So So we're not talking far off from each other uh, based on where they're placing the New Year. Correct. And the the difference is really about... um, looking at it from the celebration of the ancestors and the thinness of the veil at Samhain versus the birth of the sun at Yule. Is your two biggest um, reasons for the, the shift. I see. I see. Uh, because the, the, the difference also being is that your opposite there is Beltane, which is May 1st. Because mm-hmm. the veil is thin at Beltane as well. So kind of explain for but those... you have a slightly different connotation at Beltane. So kind of explain to those who don't understand what you mean by the veil is thin... Okay, so the veil is in. The, okay, in between the, the worlds, meaning that there is a um, physical barrier, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. between the physical world and the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Beltane and at Samhain, that barrier thins out to the point where if you know how, you can open it or you can make it even thinner and allow conversation across it. Okay. It's kind of the same concept that's so in... So you can... Kind of the same concept that's in things like Santa Maria or, or Santa Marta or things of that nature. Where certain days you can communicate with those who've gone beyond. Um, on those certain days. Correct. And the idea is that you can communicate with the ancestor. Yeah. On those certain, certain days. Uh 
like for example the jack-o'-lantern actually comes out of a tradition of that veil being thin and when you were out after dark especially but even at dusk carrying the jack-o'-lantern so that you could see and the spirits would not follow you very interesting do we have any other questions about Norse paganism for Katie from our audience? Um, as we begin to wrap up, we got just a few minutes left. Um, we managed to fill another podcast. <laughs> um, I told you, all you have to do is pick my brain. <laughs> uh, uh, and if not, we'll... Uh, um, in the podcast and uh, and um, it looks like there are no other questions coming through so um, but uh, I want to thank you Katie for being with us again uh, for a wonderful night uh, discussion about Norse paganism uh, Spider will be very uh, disappointed he didn't get to hear it but he'll get to hear it later so <laughs> but um, okay uh, thank everyone for yes, joining us. Yes, will be very disappointed. He will. He will. Uh, thank everyone for joining us tonight. And um, a reminder that next week we'll be talking to Abby and Molly, a part two about uh, um, the Muslim religion, Islam. So bring your questions for that. And, of course, always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash expandingyourfaith uh, for more information. And, of course, you can hear this on anchor.fm forward slash expanding dash your dash faith or your favorite podcast uh, app on phones or tablets until next time uh, we hope that we have helped a little bit to continue expanding your faith good night